All right. Welcome to the CXM Experience. Uh, as always, I'm Grad Khan, CXO or Chief Experience Officer at Sprinkler. And I have a very, very special guest today. Today we're talking with Tom Peters, the world famous author and management guru. Uh, Tom, of course, uh, initially burst onto the scene with In Search of Excellence, which was a Bible in my business school. So uh, I'm, I'm super, super fan. Uh, right now, very excited to meet with Tom and talk about his new book called Excellence Now, Extreme Humanism. And uh, welcome to the show, Tom. Thank you very much. It is a delight to be here. And thanks for the kind words. Uh, we, were, we were always happy when business schools adopted our books. And we were always amused when the ones with an attitude felt that they didn't have enough references to totally obscure studies or what have you. So there it is. Yeah. Well, the thing like my business school, which was uh, Queens Business School, it's now called Smith School of Business, but uh, as at Queens University in Kingston, we we had a unusual faculty in that they actually worked really hard to try to get out there and try to practice. And they would jokingly refer to the fact that only business schools have faculty members who don't know how to do the thing that they're teaching. Right. And and so they they really embraced your book because the book provided I think all it did for me in some ways had an academic quality to it, uh, but told through the lens and the stories of actual real companies. And I think that's what makes a real difference. And business leaders, I think, need to see examples of others to really take them seriously. The, I think, sort of air in the sky academic stuff is hard for people to relate to. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny. Uh, every everybody I know, large numbers of us. Uh, are reading a book by a name by the woman woman by the name of Heather McGee. And it's called The Sum of Us, and it is about racial inequity. Mm. Uh, she's a brilliant woman. She writes well. The power of the book is there must be 150 small stories, and the centerpiece of virtually every one of them is a normal human being. This is what happened to Rachel when. Mm. These are the things that happened to Doug and Mary. And you know, you could you could avoid the logic in the argument, as awful as the argument is, but you can't avoid Mary, Jane, Bill, and Bob. Yeah, it's 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 like politicians do that well. You know, when yeah. they're telling stories in the State of the Union address, there's always like a personal story that people can relate to and connect to. And I think In Search of Excellence did that very well. And you you do that all through uh, your new book. And it's like full of like tons and tons of stories. I also like your little call outs, like, you know, to do's and stuff like that, you know, sort of like take a look at how you're you know pursuing these kinds of policies. So one area where I'd love to dig in is about kind of like uh, about a two, about a third of the way into the book, you start talking about execution in a big way and about execution as strategy. So let me sort of frame this up a little bit. So people who've been listening to the CXM experience know I talk about customer experience all the time. And typically I'll talk about it from the framing of really great customer experiences that I've had. And I'll use examples and I'll use those as sort of where we need to sort of try to get to. And one thing that I've found kind of classically problematic is that everybody so far that I've met, everybody says the customer is important. And everybody says 
I want to give great experiences to my customer. And I've never met anyone who says, I don't care about customers. I've never met anyone who says that. Yet, the interactions you have with many organizations and many firms would make you feel like they really don't care about their customers and they're not intending to do that. And so it's this, I think that what's fascinating for me in customer experience is this gap between intent and action. And sometimes sometimes that gap is very, very wide. And so uh, my take on it is that while people have the best intentions, they are hampered by the execution and systems inside their organizations, yep. and they're unable to kind of hit their intent. So, so that's, that's kind of like my framing, sort of where my head's on it. So um, I wanted to talk to you. Well, first, I'd love the quote, and maybe there's some more to the story, but there's this um, quote from a McKinsey director that you don't name. He said, don't forget execution, boys. It's the all-important last 95%. So let's talk about the last 95% and sort of how you view that and how you coach other people as they're looking at may, how they change the execution models. Well, let me do something else first. Um, and I re- and I think this works with the kinds of software you're talking about, but I want to talk about the ability in 2021 to have an insanely good person-to-person phone experience. Phone experience, okay. I have had, I was in the Navy, making no money, had no money. Any idiot who would insure me or my car was a damn fool. There's a San Antonio-based company called USAA. Uh, And I have now dealt with them for 55 years. They are customer-owned. I get an $800 check each year for my bonus. I have never experienced outside of human face-to-face a more extraordinary customer experience. You call them, teeny bit more delay during the pandemic, and it is astonishing if you don't get them by the second or third ring. Uh, When you get them, they have all of my data. You know, they always Uh, say, Lieutenant Peters, Lieutenant Peters, you've been with us for 51 years. Thanks for your service nice. and for your nice. patronage. And that's where we start. Uh, and we deal with our problems. And sometimes a guy will actually go offline to deal with somebody else so he can fix a little teeny piece of a problem. Um, and the other one that just fascinates me because it's not supposed to be doable is they're in San Antonio. And we'll start talking about the San Antonio Spurs and we will go on for a minute and a half. And I will say to the guy, listen, I assume there is somebody standing behind you, pointing a gun at the back of your head, telling you that if you don't get your 39 calls answered in the next two hours, you're going to be looking for a job. And he said, you don't understand this at all. He said, the essence is they say, make a friend out of time. He wants to talk about football, fine. He wants to talk about the pandemic, fine. Uh, And the other part, which I don't think is inappropriate language, uh, is they're all in the U.S., and many of them are in San Antonio. And you, you know, if you're above a certain age, which isn't pretty old, very old, you know the Texas accent. And, uh, you know, so, and it's just 
and they get the effing thing fixed, uh, you know, beyond the shadow of a doubt. And it, and it just amazes me. The other one, which maybe is a bit elitist, and I had an experience just a couple of days ago, is American Express Platinum. I, I don't know whether they do it for mortals, but, you know, I've been with American <laughs> Express for 50 years. And the same way, I had a problem and there was an address problem and I went to the goddamn website and I spent about half of my life and couldn't get it clean. And I called and again, third or fourth ring, talked to somebody. And, you know, and the thing that, that was really great about it, both cases, the guy would say, I'm going to go offline for about a minute and a half because I have to check this and see if I can connect, get connected with that. And then I'll come back to you. But, you know, they are using an incredible amount of resources and they are personalizing it. You, you could, you could never get me away from USAA. Right. Well, and we, you know, we do do voice, we do email and we do all the connections to all the different other social platforms and, and blogs and forums and stuff like our big belief is that you need to have a single unified platform with a single 360 degree profile so that when you call or tweet or whatever that is, they can say, hello, Mr. Peters, you've been a customer for 51 years or Lieutenant Peters, excuse me. I'm going to have to call you Lieutenant Peters from now on. But hello, Lieutenant Peters, you've been a customer for 51 years. Like that is amazing. And this is a of this sort of in our sort of pre-show, we were talking a little bit about uh, company amnesia and people who listen to the CXM experience hear me talk about the 51st dates phenomenon where every time you talk to a company, they talk to you like they've never met you before. Right. You, know, you may have spent 51 years as a customer or tens of thousands of dollars, or in some cases, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, and, and they don't seem to ever know who you are. And I think that amnesia inside companies is causing customers to feel weirded out because I, well, my, my it's term disconcerting. Be, like, you know, this stuff about me, right? Why, why can't yeah. you talk to me that way? My, my, my term for companies like that would be gross stupidity. It's just, it, it's ridiculous anywhere not to know your customer. And as you said today in particular, that is pretty readily plausible. I, you, you, you obviously follow me a little bit on Twitter yeah. and Twitter, uh, Twitter feed. I have a new <laughs> Subaru Outbacks, and I've been driving Outbacks for 20 years and I adore Outbacks and I bought a 2021 and the software is disgusting and we don't have time to talk about it, nor is it our topic, but what is our topic is I have been trash talking them. Mm-hmm. For a month or enthusiastically. two. Yeah, enthusiastically. <laughs> and I do have, I'm, you know, I'm not Madonna, but I've got a non-trivial set yeah. of followers and yeah. presumably a set of followers who would meet the demographic of Subaru purchasers. I haven't heard one word from them. Yeah, I'm assuming there's a brand manager somewhere in the Subaru organization who, to uh, explain drops in sales this year, has got a picture of you <laughs> next to the yeah. drop, the drop chart. But it is like that. We do know that. Like in terms of a best practice in in our industry, uh, we do know that positive or negative, you have to get back to people. Now, what's interesting about Subaru? So I was looking for an SUV. Uh, just before Christmas. And I, I put out a tweet, as I often do, saying, hey, I'm looking for a new SUV. 
what would you recommend? Now, to make it a bit easier, because um, we call these jump balls, which and these people do this all the time. Thousands of people every day are saying, I'm looking for a new car, what would you recommend? Uh, amazingly, almost no car manufacturers ever respond to all these essentially ringing phones on people's yeah. desks, right? So now to make it a little bit easier, I at mentioned 10 car companies, all within the same segment, kind of a mid-price segment. And so I at mentioned them, and when you at mentioned them, they should see it very easily. That's yeah. making it like fall off a log for them. Of the 10 that I mentioned, only three got back to me. Uh, and so, which was interesting. And all three were Japanese car makers. And Subaru sort of did. And what Subaru does is Subaru has a, an ambassador program and they retweeted it. And then Subaru customers who are part of this ambassador program started sending me messages. So I had an overwhelming number of Subaru messages uh, from owners, but not from Subaru. And then I had three other companies that reached out to me. Um, but it was, it's always been a little bit disconcerting to me that you know when someone like is literally saying, I would like to buy a car, the companies who sell cars, and that's the only thing they do. Like the automotive companies are pretty focused, right? <laughs> Their one job, sell cars. Uh, they didn't bother saying, saying, I ended up buying a Volvo actually, which I've been delighted <laughs> with. The yeah. XC90, it's a extraordinary car. And I will say software is amazing. Um, okay, so let me, I mean, I can tell you one, one crazy experience I had recently, and then I wanna dig back into this uh, Conrad Hilton story, which I love. Uh, so um, I just ordered a little, a pedestal, a little kind of 11 by 11 square inch, 40 inch high pedestal for a, a small piece of glass art that I wanted to make sure it wasn't, I want to make sure you keep it out of the way and, and light it properly. And uh, I, I searched everywhere, searched everywhere and found it, ran to this little company called Pedestal Source. It's an American company, make everything in the US and they have lots of different kinds of pedestals and they make them for trade shows and for art galleries and for people's homes. Exactly what I needed. I got the exact one I wanted. I ordered it online, never talked to anybody and uh, paid for it and assumed you know, it would just kind of arrive. So I got emails from them saying, hey, we're working on it. Thanks for your order. Very good tone. I liked it a lot. Lots of confirmation. And, you know, this is where it's going to happen. So I felt very comfortable as a customer. And then I got an email about five days ago. And it said, uh, your pedestal is ready. Take a look. And I was like, take a look. So I opened the email and they had taken a video. There's a YouTube video. It's posted on YouTube. It's a YouTube video. And the person who made my pedestal, because they're basically custom made. Okay? Yeah. So the person who made my pedestal standing in the like factory floor. So you can hear like sounds and stuff. And there's like, yeah. you know, there's drill presses and bench, you know, it's the, you know, saws and stuff. She's standing next to the pedestal she just built for me. And she's like, hi, grad. Like, hi, grad. Okay. Hi, grad. We just built your pedestal. And I just want to make sure you're cool with it. And she brought out a tape measure. It's like 11 and a half inches this way, 11 and a half inches that way, 42 inches this way. And it's white. And we're really feeling great about it. And like, she's like turning it around for me and it looks really awesome. I think you're going to really love it. And if you have any questions, you can call me. My name's like Marjorie. And I was like, I was like, wow. And I now I I'm now suddenly super excited about this pedestal. Also, a really great way to confirm that what I ordered is what they built for me. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. it's expensive to ship it all the way back again. It's a kind of it's a big piece of wood, right? So it'd be nice to you know make sure that I was happy. So this confirmation, story. but also what an amazing customer experience. Yeah. This is a small company making wooden pedestals. And this when I say to people, I talk to companies all around all around the world, I'm like, if pedestal source. <laughs> if pedestalsource.com can figure out how to delight me 
with a piece of wood that's got a, a light in it, then you can probably figure out how to do it with your airplane or your you know, your yeah. hotel or whatever. So let's talk about Conrad Hill. Let, let me just add one story. Oh, okay, let's stay is, here. Okay, good. Is not, I mean, it is 100% related, um, certainly 90%. Um, I, I fell down a couple of weeks ago and, you know, I'm an old man. And so they said, you know, go get a brain scan. Fortunately, everything was okay. No, oh, it's good to hear. Point being, you go to the hospital and you go into the room where the scan is going to be done. And there is a tech who takes care of you. Right. Uh, who will there. tell you nothing about what she or he is seeing. And then at some stage, uh, you know, the, the film, the whatever we call film these days, this goes off to a radiologist mm-hmm. who may be in the United States or he may be in yeah. Sri Lanka, uh, right. and he does all or she does all the analysis. Okay. Uh, here was an experiment that was run when Tom comes in, we'll, we'll do this with something. We, we'll forget my little whacked head, but somebody who has an area where it might be cancerous or, or what have you. Tom comes in and they say, listen, just for our records, would it be okay if we took your photograph? And I say, yeah, that's fine for me. I don't care what you got in your records. And so they take a picture of me. Uh, now, the radiologist at home or abroad is looking at his screen with all the results from my test uh, and their wavy lines with graphs or their, you know, ones and zeros or whatever they are. Uh, And in the upper right-hand corner of his screen is the photo of me, okay? What's the implication? The implication is that that radiologist spends twice as much time on my data as the one, no, but this, that's only half, twice as much time as the one without the photo. And, you know, I think I'm using the right term, but problems discovered in your photo are called anomalies, all right? Yeah. An anomaly is a problem. And the guy or woman with the photo in the upper right-hand corner finds twice as many anomalies meaning that the test was insanely more effective. And, you know, the whole effing thing is they humanize the process with a little photograph of time, and the results are just wildly different. And I, you know, I just love that kind of stuff because, and I think it is related exactly to what you're saying in in a slightly different fashion, and certainly to your pedestal experience. Well, But, you know, the value of that, for God's sakes, I've been writing about it for roughly a hundred years now. And I remember my, I don't think it was in search of excellence. It may have been my second book. It doesn't matter. And I wrote about what came to be known as the two cent candy experience. Um, And it was just simply a checkout at a regular grocery store. And there was a little jar and you could take a peppermint. And, you know, I guess it's more common today than it was then. But I said, holy smokes, I'll remember that peppermint until my last breath. Um, and, and it's, and it's, the, and it's the case, but the photo, the photo one that, you know, matches the, the technological manipulations of the sort that you're talking about. 
That's super interesting. Yeah, like, like uh, I'm sure you've read Clay Christensen's books, you know, in, yeah. in Innovator's Dilemma. And he wrote a book called The Innovator's Prescription uh, in sort of the late 90s, early 2000 period. And it's a pretty interesting book on sort of the issues and challenges in healthcare. And, and he talks about this depersonalization a lot and it creates right. a real problem. I recently had knee surgery on my left knee um, at uh, the Hospital for Special Surgery uh, actually here in Florida, and Dr. Uh, David Alchek did it. And David Alchek's a world-renowned knee surgeon, like potentially the best knee surgeon in the world, uh, certainly one of the top two or three at the, the very most. And so he, and he did a brilliant job. I, I, my knee is like 100%, it's incredible. And the experience, and you talk a little bit about this in your book, there's a, I can't remember what section it is, but you talk about very few patients talk about good suturing or, you know, like the, right. you know, people don't talk about the necessary, the, the bits and pieces of the healthcare experience, but the, um, and I had this fascinating experience, which goes to this whole amnesia thing and sort of executional problems. So uh, as you've probably been in a hospital or I don't know if you've had any surgeries, but I, I hadn't had zillions, but it's always been on my knees. And they well, have a my, tendency to- My last surgery was knee replacement of my left knee. You know so. exactly what I'm talking about then. Okay. So they do this thing where they're like, um, we want to confirm your name, your birth date, and which knee we're operating on. Right. And they, they repeatedly ask your name, birth date, and knee over and over and over again. And it gets kind of funny. At one point, I'm I, I'm kind of half sedated and then legs been one leg has been completely shaved, right? Uh, they've got Dr. Alchek put like an indelible X on it, like with some kind of magic yeah. marker. And they took weeks to wash off. Uh, it was like really kind of hard. It was like, it, you know, it was like there was a cloth underneath it. So it had been, you know, sheeted. And, and it was pretty hard not to know which leg you're operating on at this point. And they kept asking me just to kind of throw them. I actually changed the knees because that was kind of fun to watch. <laughs> they all jumped about a foot. Uh, so they ask all these questions and they're, and they're very, very diligent in this experience. And another question they ask you is, are you allergic to anything? And I'm allergic to nuts, um, particularly peanuts and um, macadamia nuts. Um, particularly macadamia nuts. Oh my God. But peanuts are a big problem for me. And so they repeatedly asked me. And so they made sure they didn't like spread peanut butter on me during the operation. So which is so it worked out great. The fascinating thing is that on discharge, and this is your two set candy experience on discharge, they gave me a little kind of gift bag, kind of like, hey, thanks for letting us cut you open. And uh, and inside it were like a bottle of water, uh, sort of post uh, operative instructions, uh, an ice pack bandage, uh, kind of like little goodies and stuff like that. And a little energy bar, um, which was, you know, made out of peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> now, thank God someone was I mean, I, I don't think they would discharge me without someone picking me up, but the person picking me up knew about my peanut allergy. And, and I was actually kind of hungry. I was ravenous coming out of the surgery. And, uh, and she's like, you're not eating this. And I was thinking, what, what an interesting, like, after all the work they put into fixing me, yeah. they almost killed me <laughs> right at the very end. It's where the candy bar. Yeah, because yeah, their, their discharge system is disconnected from their intake system. Yeah. And yeah. all, even though I said I was allergic to peanuts at least a dozen times, there is no way to record that into the system where the bags, and this for me is the customer experience challenge, right? This is the execution challenge that people have over and over again. Of course, nobody at HSS would want that to happen. No one would think that was a cool thing to do. No one aspired to that. And obviously everyone was appropriately horrified actually when I went back and told them about it. 
but but that's that's enough medical talk for today. Before I start, you know, showing off my scars and talking about other like you know gross things that's happened to the body, uh, let's let's uh, let's just kind of like just stop for a sec. In fact, we're going a little long, and this has been an amazing conversation. So I don't want to extend this for too long. I want to actually go to a kind of a part two. So that's I'm going to cut it off for today. Tom, thank you very much. And what we're going to do is we're going to pick this up again tomorrow and continue this amazing conversation. So uh, for today, uh, I'm Grad Khan, CXO at Sprinkler, here with Tom Peters, world famous uh, author and raconteur, and of course, the author of In Search of Excellence and many other books. And I will see you next time. <laughs>